Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. Matthew chapter 16 and in verse 13, we read a story from the ministry of Jesus Christ that was a pivotal moment for his disciples. And uh, many people point to this time as to when the church of Jesus Christ was actually born and initiated. Obviously, we understand that today we celebrate, as do other churches, Pentecost Sunday. The actual birth date of the church when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem 50 days after the Passover. But this is where the seeds for the church were planted. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, what is the rock? The rock is who Jesus is. Everybody got that? You're not Elisha, you're not John the Baptist, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this understanding and revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want to speak to you for a few moments today, and then we want God to do whatever He wants to do in people's lives today. And the subject of our sermon today is this, the essence of Pentecost, the essence of Pentecost. Let's pray for God's favor on the next few moments here today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the chance to gather together, Lord God, with our family and friends uh, and to lift up and to worship your name. But Lord Jesus, as we come, we believe that there are going to be signs following those who believe. And we expect and anticipate, Lord, a visitation of your spirit uh, on the hearts and minds of people today. We thank you for what you're going to do. And by faith, uh, we expect, Lord God, for your will to be accomplished in this house house today in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and everybody said amen why don't you put your hands together and clap to the Lord and give him praise right now hallelujah thank you Jesus Lord you're worthy of the praise glory to God glory to God now if you want to look at the origin of the church you really have to go all the way back to the book of beginnings which is the book of Genesis every major institution and doctrinal establishment in the word of God has its roots burrowed into the seedbed of the book of beginnings which is Genesis. In Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 we read the drama of man's failure to obey God and his tendency 
to disobey and do his own thing. What happened in the Garden of Eden is when Eve sank her teeth into the flesh of the fruit that was forbidden, something transpired that was promised. God had promised to them that in the day that you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. We understand that this was the first sin. This represented man's disobedience and rebellion against God's authority. But we also understand when we read the Word of God that Eve did not drop dead, nor did Adam die that day. There was a spiritual separation that transpired because of their disobedience to God. However, physical death entered into the earth that day because of sin. Let me explain it to you this way. Prior to their disobedience, corruption was not a part of the human destiny. We have evidence from the Word of God that it wasn't God's plan for man to grow old. It wasn't God's plan for bones to develop osteoporosis. It wasn't God's plan for muscles to atrophy and physical uh, deterioration and decay to come upon the family of man. It wasn't God's plan for plants and animals to get old and to die. It wasn't God's plan for corruption to enter into this world. But because of one man's sin, Adam's sin, corruption came into the earth. Decay, deterioration. You may be in your early 20s right now and feel like you're going to live forever. You may be 17, 18 years of age and feel like this body ain't never going to fail me. Look at these guns right here. But I want to tell you today as one who used to think that way, that Father Time always wins. Father Time finally took out the greatest basketball of all time, player of all time, Michael Jordan. Come on, somebody. He could beat the Lakers. He could beat the Spurs. He could beat the Pistons. But he couldn't beat Father Time. You know why? Because he was fighting against something that he had no power over. It's called corruption. It's called decay. It's called deterioration. These did not exist prior to man's iniquity. But the moment they ate of the tree, their bodies began to die. And that's what I heard when I went to school, and I was dis discouraged when I heard it. They said, you know what? You're sitting in class right now, but your body is dying. Cells are dying. You were born to die. Everybody say, I thought this was supposed to be encouraging coming to church. I thought we were supposed to leave here happy today. But Pastor Brown said, you're dying. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Because of Adam's sin and transgression, death passed upon all of humanity. So you may hold a little baby full of promise, but you've got to understand that even though it's alive and thriving, it is born to die. However, at the essence of our creation is an uncorruptible being, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, something that cannot be corrupted by the decay and the deterioration of this world. 
let me talk to you a little bit about the word essence. Essence. What is essence? Essence is defined as the attribute or a set of attributes that makes an object or a substance what it is and which it has by necessity and without it, it loses its identity. Without these essentials, whatever it is, loses its identity. Aristotle stated it this way, tote in ienai, which means the what it was to be. The essence of something is what it originally was intended to be. Let me give you an example here that maybe you could understand. How many like to receive roses? Guys, put your hand down. Come on. Ladies? But I like flowers too. That's great. That's precious. Flowers are beautiful. And one of the most amazing things about flowers is the fragrance. They smell beautiful. They just fill the room with, it, with, with, with its fragrance. But I bought my wife some roses a few weeks ago, and uh, they're beautiful, and they smell beautiful for several days. But guess what? We kept them out, and they started to droop, to decay, and to deteriorate. And I remember going by and taking one more smell, and it was like, oh doesn't quite smell like a rose anymore. The essence was beautiful. The essence was fragrant. But because of deterioration, the existence became far separated from its essence. But those who work in uh, capturing chemicals and fragrances are called apothecaries. And they learn to capture from the rose this fragrance that was its essence when it was what it was meant to be. And then when the rose's existence is dead and it deteriorates and it droops and eventually becomes part of the earth again, there is captured in a bottle the essence of a rose. The essence of a rose. The essence so far removed now from its existence but the essence of a rose. I want to tell you today that when you look in the Garden of Eden and see Adam and Eve, you see the essence of a man and the essence of a woman. Prior to the corruption of sin, prior to the corruption of their physical body, you see what God intended for man to be. And you see what God intended for a woman to be. Amen? They were created in God's image, created in God's likeness. There was nothing like humanity in the entire universe. They had the power to make choices. They had the power to affect influence over the rest of creation. They were created perfect and complete. Amen. But I want to tell you today that the human beings that fill the earth today are a far cry from the original design. And the existence of people in this world today are far removed from the essence of what God intended for them to be. You know what it is? It's called corruption. It's called sin. It's called the original sin that got transferred to you through your bloodstream. Amen. 
When mom and dad had you, they passed something on to you besides your long nose and your big feet. They passed along to you a sin nature that brings corruption into your mind, corruption into your spirit, corruption into your conduct. And so men and women today are dealing with things they never were intended to have to deal with. You see little kids being sexually abused by adults. Something in your spirit says, no, that's not right. That's not the way it ought to be. People having to deal with emotions and feelings and hurts that God never intended people to deal with. This is the corruption of sin. And it's on the family of man. It's on all of humanity. And none of us are exempt from the influences of the corruption of sin. Now, today, our bodies are broken by sickness and obesity and drug abuse and disorders of all kind because the existence of man is so far removed from the essence what it was. Our minds become limited by the effect of sin, plagued by depression, plagued by stress. Listen to me, that wasn't God's plan. Do I have anybody listening to me now? That wasn't God's original plan. This is a product of the corruption that's trying to deteriorate your mind and your spirit together with the deterioration that's happening to your physical body. Our emotions were created to serve in the arena of worship and fellowship with God. But now our emotions run like a roller coaster out of control because the deterioration has created an existence so far removed from the essence of humanity. Praise God. But I want to tell you some good news here today. Let me tell you about the new birth experience. Did you know that God's plan is this. Adam got us in a mess. Mm -hmm. But the second Adam, anybody knew who I'm talking about? Not Adam Viscaino, but Jesus Christ. The only one who lived in a corrupt world without his spirit being corrupt only person that ever lived that never sinned, the second Adam. What Adam got us into, Jesus Christ came to get us out of. My God. Although he wasn't very wealthy and he didn't wear fancy clothes and he didn't live in a palace and he didn't commandeer an army, one thing I can tell you about Jesus Christ is he was victorious. Come on, somebody. While sin passed upon all humanity, there was one man born of a woman who didn't have the seed of a human man placed into the egg, but it was supernatural incarnation. It was the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary so that Jesus could live in a world of corruption and where every man had failed, every woman had failed. Jesus was to emerge from every test victorious. Hey, guess what? You don't have to serve sin because Jesus didn't serve sin. And the Bible says he was going to be the firstborn among many brethren. You don't have to be prey to depression because Jesus wasn't prey to depression. Come on. And he was the firstborn among many brethren. You don't have to struggle with the pressures of this world not knowing where your hope comes from. 
Because Jesus was the firstborn. I'll tell you something else about Jesus. The Bible says in Psalms, referring to Jesus Christ, it says, you know, Jesus was referred to in Psalms. A lot of people don't know this. That Jesus Christ, thousands of years before he was born, hundreds of years before he was born, was mentioned prophetically in the book of Psalms. That's cool in itself, isn't it? Just right then and there, that's cool. But Jesus Christ was mentioned. Here's what it said. Many, many other references, but this one I like. It says, Thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, nor suffer thine holy one, come on, listen to me now, to see corruption. Say, what's that talking about? Y'all still with me? With me right now? The promise was the Holy One, Jesus Christ, was not going to be left in hell. Now let me clarify something for you. When we say hell, we usually think the lake of fire, Satan's domain, where everybody wears fiery red outfits and have horns coming out of their head and tails with points on them, where the demons hang out. That's one... Uh, one, one uh, idea of hell. But oftentimes when the Bible refers to hell, the original Hades, it doesn't mean the lake of fire, the place of eternal judgment. It just means death. You guys with me? So, so Jesus, when it says, thou shalt not leave his soul in hell, it didn't mean he was down in the lake of fire. It didn't mean he was hanging out with demons. It meant he was bound in a place, in a prison, that whoever went into it, they weren't coming out of it. It's called death. The Bible prophesied Jesus Christ, didn't call him by name, but it said the Holy One will not be left in death. Neither would God suffer his body to see corruption. Come on, listen to me right now. The point of that is, is Jesus went into hell. He entered into death. The gate clanked shut behind him never to be opened again because everybody who went in this gate stayed behind the gate except for one man named Lazarus yes sir come on now first time that gate ever swung the other way what in the world the New Testament church the Bible says his body is not going to suffer corruption the worms aren't going to eat up the body it's not going to deteriorate and turn back into dust. The Holy One is not going to suffer corruption. But more than just the physical body, it was the emotion spirit man of Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus wasn't going to lay in a tomb and in a grave and let his soul be trapped in Hades. But he was going to come up out of death. Come on, anybody happy today? Because your hope is this. Your hope is even though my body's getting old, even though I'll be 40 in a few weeks. Even though my metabolism don't work like it used to. Remember that when you were 20 and you could eat 20 tacos? Taco Bell, when they had it, 59, 79, 99. Right? Anybody remember back in those days? That was when I was in college and I didn't have any money. And I had to eat that half meat, half whatever it is in the Taco Bell. Praise God. I lived, I made it through, but I could eat whatever I wanted to. I mean, you can't imagine the stuff I used to eat. And I could still suck my belly and have my belly button touch my backbone. That ain't happening anymore. 
corruption. Corruption, even though physical corruption is in my body. And should the Lord tarry, one day I'll be laid into a casket and people will say sweet words, hopefully some of which are true, over my casket. But I have hope, but not in this world only. Because guess what? Jesus Christ, amen, not only defeated the corruption of sin, but he defeated the corruption of Hades, of death. And when Jesus came out of the tomb, after three days in the realm of Hades, he was the firstborn of the resurrection, the first one whose body wasn't going to see corruption and whose soul wasn't going to be trapped in Hades. Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. But Pastor Brown, I thought you were talking about the essence of the church. Let me tell you what the church started as. Here's how the church started. Jesus Christ on the earth, manifesting his glory, doing miracles, teaching, turning water into wine, opening blinded eyes. The attention of the world riveted on this man. and He's got 12 compadres that he spends all his time with, his disciples, his inner circle. And they're hanging around together in Caesarea Philippi. While they're there, they sit around. and The discussion comes up about what are people saying about your miracles? And what are people saying about your identity? What, what's the discussion? And, and, and through the, the, the course of the conversation, it says, well, Jesus, I know there's some people that believe you are a clone of John the Baptist. And I heard somebody say the other day, that the Old Testament prophet Elisha, the one that did all the miracles in the Old Testament, has come back to life again in the form of this man, Jesus Christ. Some say that you are a modern-day prophet. Jesus scratches it. Very interesting. He said, but what matters to me is, who do you say that I am? Because they can all have their opinions, but they ain't going to turn the world upside down. You're the ones I chose to turn the world upside down. You need to know who I am. Peter felt some holy unction and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, You got it. Amen. And you're blessed, Simon. Listen, Peter, you didn't hear that from somebody. Nobody told you that. You didn't figure it out with your mind. But the Spirit of God revealed this truth unto you. And listen to me now, Peter. Your name's Peter, but upon this rock of divine revelation of who Jesus is, I'm going to build my church. My church. And the gates of hell, Hades, shall not prevail against the church. And whatsoever ye shall bind on earth will be bound in the heavens. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth will be loosed in the heavens. Let me give you a little insight in that passage of Scripture. There's several possible meanings there. Some people say, well, that means that the church is going to be on the offensive against hell. Other people have the idea that the church is, is not going to be defeated by Satan and his minions. But let me tell you what Hades is. Hades is death. Listen to me. 
says the gates of hell will not be able to stop the church. In other words, while everyone else will be trapped in this eternal trap of corruption, that's what Hades is, it's the essence of evil. It's the essence of sin. It's the essence of corruption. While all the rest of humanity will be trapped behind the walls of the power of corruption, of sin, and not only that, but the corruption of eternal death. The church of the living God, the church of the living God, the church that Jesus Christ prescribed will not be stopped by the gates of hell. In other words, your body may get old and you may stop breathing, but you're not going to be trapped in Hades like everybody else. Because the gates of hell that stop everyone else won't stop the church. Amen. Come on now. He said, I give you keys. Keys. Keys to the kingdom. What's that? That's keys out of the gates of hell and keys into the gates of the kingdom of God. That's keys out of the gates of corruption and keys into the kingdom of incorruption. Come on now. That's keys out of the kingdom of mortality, keys into the kingdom of immortality. And Peter, guess what? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What are those keys? The keys are the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you guys with me right now? Some of you that were in the class yesterday, you know what I'm talking about now. Jesus Christ busted down the gate when he came through out of Hades and he was showing the way that you and I can bust out of that place of eternal corruption. It is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross. Amen? He was buried in a tomb. But he came out of the grave. And when he came out of the grave, he was creating a pathway for those that would put their confidence in Jesus Christ, that they would come out of the kingdom of corruption and king, come into the kingdom of eternal hope in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why he says he would be the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn, the first resurrected from the dead, and then we would be resurrected from the dead as well. So the gospel message is the key to get through the gate. The gate can't stop the church. So while the rest of the world bounces their head against the gate of drug addiction, the gate of drug addiction can't stop the church. When the rest of the world bounces their head against the gate of depression, the gate of depression can't keep the church in the walls of corruption. Come on now. And while the rest of the world bounces their head off the gate of bad and destructive habits that defile the body, the gates of hell cannot stop the church from breaking through. Amen. Out of corruption into incorruption. Out of the corruption of the spirit into incorruption of the spirit. And one of these days, it won't be very long, when my body's lying in the grave, there's going to be a trumpet that will sound. And the gate that keeps everybody in is not going to be able to stop the church. Come on, somebody praise him right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise him right now. I feel the Holy Spirit in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. It was a... Last week when I went over to Sister Jackie's apartment, or Sister Jackie's mother's apartment, to uh, spend some time with the family there, it was uh, one of those apartments that had the gates that close and open, and it also had the little arm that comes down. I don't know why it had both, but it had both. And so... I came up behind somebody and they were going through. The gate was open. The stick was up. I typed in the code and I started driving through. But I didn't realize I was supposed to wait for it to close and then type in the code and then go through. Well, guess what? That little stick came down while I was driving through. You know what happened? Hit the car. You know what happened? broke you know what happened you know what it did to my car nothing you know what it did to the gate smashed it broke it I want to tell you that the gates of hell some of the things that you think are blocking you from living in victory are like a little flimsy one by three you see the caution tape you see the caution tape and you're like, well, I guess I'm backed in here now. I guess I'm stuck in this corruption. I guess my marriage is on the downward spiral. It's going to stay that way. Listen to me. I guess my sickness is going to keep me there. Amen. I guess this depression is going to keep me there. And we back up. But I want to tell you right now, the Bible promises that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. This corruption that came into the family of man because of the first Adam was reversed by the second man, Adam. And as long as you follow Jesus, amen, as long as you follow Jesus Christ, you have the pathway out. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 When the Holy Spirit was poured out, on the day of Pentecost, 40, 50 days, I'm sorry, after the Passover, they were gathered together in one place waiting for the promise of God that you would receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You would receive resurrection power. See, the Bible says it this way. The spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead be in you. He shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. What does that mean? That means when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're changed. That's what the word quicken means. Somebody thought quicken was just about loans and uh, doing your taxes. Quicken means to change. The Bible says the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead, if it dwells in you, it's going to change you. That's why when a person gets the Holy Ghost, all of those desires that they used to have, it starts to change. The places that they used to want to go, they don't want to go anymore. Do I have a witness in the house right now? Sometimes when we've been in church for a while, let me just kind of prick you a little bit here. Sometimes we've been in church for a while, we forget that we've been changed by the Holy Spirit, not by our own willpower. You listen to me. You had to make a decision, but you didn't have the power to come out of corruption. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit were you quickened and transformed. Are you listening to me right now? So quit looking around like some goody two-shoes because you're better than everybody else. You're not better than everybody else. You're just like everybody else. 
You were suffering the power of corruption, but the Holy Spirit came upon you. And when you got the Holy Ghost, you were quickened and, and you were changed. My God. <laughs> Praise God. And the corruption of sin, corruption of sin was reversed. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, it was the origin of the church, the bride of Christ. And she was a glorious bride. She needed no accruements or jewelry to add to her beauty. She was wrapped in the glory, the Spirit of God Himself. She shone with the brilliance of the Holy Ghost. She captivated everyone that saw her and she enthralled the whole world with her power. She was birthed, this thing called the church, this bride of Christ, birthed in the violent brutality of a Roman world that was so very evil. However, Everywhere that she went, she brought hope into hopeless situations. She brought joy into joyless situations. Come on, I'm talking about the essence of Pentecost, the essence of the church. She brought the peace of God that passeth all understanding into a world that had no way of knowing the peace that only God can bring because she was the church that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. Amen. She was God's bride on the earth. The church, the essence of Pentecost was beautiful, was glorious, was wonderful, and she needed no flesh to bring about the intrigue, the expression of power. She was awesome because she operated under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Somewhere along the apostolic pathway, there were those who fell in love with flesh and didn't want to depend on God, but wanted to depend on their wit and their education and their finance and their resource. And they loved the ministry, but they attempted to do ministry through the flesh. Jude shares with us what would happen. There were certain men demonically appointed men who crept into the church unawares preaching doctrines of devils and they began to substitute life for death and begin to substitute power for powerlessness and begin to substitute joy for joylessness and on and on until the existence of corporate Christianity in the world no longer remotely resembled the bride of Christ in its essence so gloriously seen in the New Testament church. And over the ages, the church as a corporate body of Christianity lost her glory. And they attempted to placate and replace her glory with the shallow glitz of this present world. The Bible promised that there would be apostasy, that there would be things that would happen to the church, that they would replace because they did not have the power of God. They concocted weird doctrines to compensate for the absence of the power of God. Let me tell you right now, God's plan for the church was that the church would have power to shake the world. This is no man's church. This is God's church. Listen to me right now. And God's plan for the church, when you look at it as it, at its essence, it was the power of God, not the personality of men. Yes. Who was Peter? He was a fisherman. He didn't have degrees. He couldn't sit and talk at length about all the intricacies of Scripture, 
All he had was a word from God and the power of the Holy Ghost. And he and his friends turned the world upside down with the direction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because it was the church at its essence. The church with its power was made visible at Pentecost. Corruption and decay in Christianity has created a facade of people who use their brain power and education and resource to try to further some message that includes Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you there's got to be a church in these last days. And there is a church in these last days that smells like the essence of Pentecost. That smells like the fragrance of the beginnings of the church that was born in power. I have respect for education. I've been in circles of education. I'm improving my education. However, I sit around smart people, educated people, Christians, who can dissect the word every which way and they know all the fancy words to say. I see them sitting around and talking, and I see them all trying to prove to one another how smart they are. And I realize, what have they done? They've started to lean on the arm of the flesh. And that's why you can walk into churches that exist that never were intended to be the way they are. God never intended for a worship service in a church to be a funeral setting. God never in intended for churches to gather together and listen to boring lectures. God never intended for people to get up on Sunday morning and say, Oh my God, I got to go to church today. I hope I can stay awake. I better pick up three coffees on the way so I can stay awake through that boring ritual of religiosity and routines that prove I believe in God. But the essence of the original church was a church that had power. When they got together, there was no telling what was going to happen. One thing was for sure was if somebody came in the church hungry, they were going to leave satisfied. If somebody came in the church sick, they were going to leave well. If somebody came in the church in need of a miracle. Come on, somebody. The essence of Pentecost, the essence of Pentecost. Listen to me, the devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. And I'm gonna go ahead and say this, the corrupted church is a liar too. Because miracles weren't just for the first century church. That's what they say. But listen to this preacher right now. Miracles are for here and now. And the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in a language that you never learned before as the Spirit of God gives you the words to say. Nobody's telling you what to say. Nobody hands you a sheet of paper and say, repeat after me. Just read the words here and you'll have the Holy Ghost. Untie my bow tie. Who stole my Honda? Go buy another Honda. Sell him a Honda. Buy a Yamaha. As flesh. But when a person is born of the water and the spirit, in the Bible we see that they begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit of God gave them the utterance. The corrupted church says that was first century. That ended when the disciples died. That was just to birth the church 
and then the church was going to go on with this perfected text called the Bible and they wouldn't need the manifestation or display of the Holy Spirit. The devil's a liar, come on now, and the corrupted, whatever you want to call it, is a liar. The Holy Ghost is still being poured out today and when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody, I'm talking about a new life, I'm talking about a new nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. The corrupted nature that leads to death dies. And we got a new nature because we're in Christ. Come on, anybody excited to be in Christ? Some of you know our friend, Brother Vinny. Magianis. He was the Section 4 youth director, friend of ours. And uh, he sent out an email to our United Pentecost Church District Secretary in Southern California, Brother Durance, uh, about a month ago, three weeks to a month ago, a desperate email. And I have it, I received it. Said, brother Durance, can you ask the brothers and sisters of the district to pray with us? We don't know what to do. Our four-year-old daughter is in the hospital, at the children's hospital, and they're trying to save her life because of this effects of some disease. Paralysis was coming from her feet up her legs into her body and her midriff. Four-year-old girl, and the doctor said if it hits her organs, she's gone. Moving up his desperation he said people that know how to pray please pray with me and the church began to pray men and ladies of God began to pray brother flowers went up there and had prayer in the room let me tell you right now that the paralysis stopped and then the paralysis began to move the other direction And the next day, she was up walking around the room. This week, they went back and they said, there's nothing at all wrong with her. I smell the essence of Pentecost. Hallelujah. I smell the essence of the early church. But on the night when she was sick and they were fearful for her life, he sat in the room, Brother Vinny, and told his pastor, Brother Flowers, Brother Flowers, why? Why? Why, my daughter, why is this happening? I don't know why this is taking place. Or sometimes we have no answer. Then Brother Vinny got a little bit hungry, and so he went down into the foyer of the hospital there. And in the foyer of the hospital, they had a McDonald's which is kind of ironic in the McDonald's in the hospital. It's like, it's like selling cigarettes down at the heart or the, the, the lung clinic or whatever, but McDonald's. So he goes down, he's hungry, he's getting something to eat, you know, got a lot on his mind, but he looks over and he sees this couple that are just weeping. They're Arabic and they're Muslim and finds out that they, later, that they are very, very influential in the community, weeping. And he goes over to them, finally, 
says, are you guys okay? And they begin to share with him what was happening in this children's hospital. Their 12-year-old daughter was fully paralyzed in the hospital room. And the doctors felt like she had no hope. And they were weeping. And this Muslim lady said to Brother Vinny, said, Brother, I've heard before that Christians believe that Jesus is a healer. And I kind of been hoping that God would send a Christian alone that would believe in Jesus enough and pray for my daughter that God would heal her. And we think maybe you might be that person. She was doing all the talking. Dad was just sitting there looking. And uh, so then she said, would you be willing to come pray for my daughter? And he said, well, ma'am, i got to let you know, just to be honest with you, if I come pray for your daughter, I'm going to be praying for her in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be praying in Jesus' name. She said, whatever it takes. What do you think? And her husband's there like, I'm not going to get between mama and her baby, you know. Whatever, whatever it takes. And so he went up there to the hospital room where this 12-year-old girl was laying in the hospital bed paralyzed and began to pray in the name of Jesus over her body. And I want to tell you right now that within 24 hours, she was up walking around the room. And when Vinny and his wife went back to the hospital for the final checkup for their daughter this week. This week, they walked down the hall and they saw the parents and the parents came running over to them, weeping and gave them a hug and said, look what God's done. I want to tell you, I smell the essence of the apostolic church and there's still power for deliverance. There's still power for miracles and there's still power to transform a life. I wonder if somebody would stand up with me right now and lift up their hands hands and begin to praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, somebody help me praise him right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Come on, lift him up right now. God's going to do something in this place. Come on, I feel it. There's deliverance in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, it's moving right now. It's the essence of Pentecost. That's the church. That's the Holy Spirit. It's moving right now. Guess what? This house of people in their suit and ties is a house made up of former drug addicts, former cheaters, former gamblers, former crazy wild party animal messing up their life full of former narcotics abusers 
full of former sex addicts, full of people who were wrapped up in the corruption of this world and didn't know how to get out of it. But I want to tell you today that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that I preach to you today that got them out of where they are. We didn't put them through a 12-step program. We didn't say, let me teach you how to defeat this. It was the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's what we're going to do right now. In just a moment, we're going to gather around the front because this service is not about my ability or inability to speak the word. And this service is not about how pretty the singer sang. And this service is not about how hard the setup team works setting this place up. That's flesh. But this service is about the essence of Pentecost, which is we're going to introduce the message of Jesus to you. Then we're going to step back. And we're going to let the fire fall. As the Bible says, that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So on Pentecost Sunday, here's what we're going to do. We got room up here and I'm going to invite everybody. If you've been in this church a long time, you've been in church a short time, if you're a first time guest, second time guest, third time guest, we're going to gather together because guess what? It's Pentecost Sunday. That's a good time to come to a Pentecostal church and experience the power of Pentecost because there's healing in the house today. There's healing for your emotions. There's healing for your body. I got a boldness in my spirit that says God will work a miracle in your body today. There's New Testament salvation in this place. I want you to come out of where you are and gather up around the front here. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. It's good to have room up here. Come on, come on, come on. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let me tell you, you're not going to get out of your trouble by your ability. You need the Holy Ghost. You're not going to be able to crawl out of the pit of corruption by your willpower. It takes the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you today that the same Holy Spirit that fell 2,000 years on the day of Pentecost, the essence of the New Testament church, is in the house today. And if we could just for a moment get in one accord, we're already in one place. But if we can get in one accord and begin to worship God together, I believe the Holy Spirit can fall here right now. Somebody said, but Pastor Brown, I already got the Holy Ghost. 
1987, November 3rd, God filled me with the Holy Ghost and power. I can take you to the place. I can show you this tear stains. That's cool. But the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. It's not enough that something happened 20 years ago. It's not enough that something happened 20 months ago. I need the Holy Ghost because I'm living in a corrupting world. Yeah. You listening to a corrupting radio. You watching a corrupting TV. You hanging around with corrupting co-workers. You need the Holy Ghost to pull you up out of the pit. Let incorruption come into your mind and your spirit. Lift up your hands right now. Jesus, I need you today. Lord God, I'm hungry for your spirit. That's it. Just praise him right now. I'm tired of messing with this junk, Jesus. I'm tired of trying to do it by myself. I decide today I'm going to put my trust 100% in you. And I need the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit to come upon me. Come on, that's it. Tell the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I need some fire baptized, Holy Ghost Spirit filled people to turn around and pray with somebody right now. Because the Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall afresh in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Find somebody and pray with them right now. In the name of the Lord. Come on, the Holy Ghost is going to fall in this place. The Holy Ghost is going to fall in this house right now. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands and praise Him right now. There is power. 